morning, everyone. Glad to see you all. Glad that you're here. Happy Father's Day to all of you dads. We're glad that you're uh, here as well. And those that are joining online, welcome uh, to our service this morning. It's always good to get together, to worship as a family together, not only to worship as a family together, but to hear His Word and then respond to Him. Um, had that opportunity to do that. Our mission at New Horizons is to bring glory to God by loving Him the most, by loving others as Jesus has loved us, by making disciples of all nations. Our vision is to have a clear pathway where we grow in our love for God, where we grow in our love for others, and where we grow in our ability to make disciples. And that pathway is community. We live in community here of worship, we live in community uh, of, of smaller groups where you're known and cared for. We live in a community of discipleship where you're held accountable to each other and then having a place of service. So we're glad you're here. If you're going to Children's Church this morning, it is your time and you can line up behind Miss Chris and head that way. Okay. title of today's message is this, it is worth it, it is worth it, title of today's message, it is worth it, Romans chapter 8 verses 17 through 25, Romans 8, 17 through 25. Look with me again at verses 13 and 14. I want to back up. It's, you know, I do this a lot of times as we've been working through Romans. But look again at verses 13 and 14. It says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Well, what if we said that these verses in reverse? It would be something like this. Because we are the sons of God, we are led by the Spirit. Because we're led by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. Because we're the sons of God, we are led by the Spirit. Because we're led by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. If you and I are going to engage in this battle, if we are going to believe the truths found in verses 15 through 17, you see, you say, are we in a battle? We are in a battle. Listen, he uses the word putting to death. He, he's not saying we're taking uh, captive. We're not, we're not putting people in prison. We're not taking prisoners of war. We're putting it to death. He uses strong language here to put to death. And, and as we continue to think about this ideal of putting to death, 
this battle that we're in. There's some things that we need to believe. And if we look at verses 15 through 17, we will believe those very things. Look at verse 15 with me. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. The first thing I want us to remember, and we talked about this last week, so this is review, but last week we talked about this. One of the things that we're remembering is that we have security with our Father, which means what? Which means that we don't get kicked out. Which means that we don't, we don't get thrown out of the family. Which means we're in the family. We're there and can't be thrown out, can't be kicked out. Okay? We have security. Now, Look at this second thing. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, fear of not being wanted, fear of not being accepted, fear of not belonging to Christ. That's not it. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. You have received the spirit of... It's an authority. An authority is a son. You see, in the house, a slave had no rights, but in the house, the son had rights. The son had authority. You and I have authority over the flesh, over the sin that's in our life. You and I have authority over the evil one. You and I can resist. And we don't have to do what they tell us to do. We can say, yes. Tim Keller gave these two slides, and I've got them on two different slides because I couldn't figure out how to put them together. So I may ask the booth to swap back and forth, okay? But when we think about being a slave, a slave is one who obeys because they have no choice. Go to the next slide for me, and we're just going to go back and forth. A son obeys because he is loved and loves in return. Come back to the slave. A slave works under threat of pain and hurt. Come back to the son. A son receives discipline. The discipline he receives is loving instruction. A slave, if he slips, he will be beat. A son has security, as we've talked about, my Father will always forgive us. Every time. A slave's concentration is on external behaviors. But a son's concentration is on relationship and attitude. I'm going to stop right there just a minute. A slave's concentration is on external behaviors. A son's concentration is on, is on the relationship and the attitude. The attitudes that we carry. The relationship that we have with the Father. Now, look back at the slave. The slave works, but is not honored. A son is honored and is invited to work. Is honored on the front end, invited to work. 
Do you see, guys, this morning, do you see in that list the ideal that you and I can very quickly cross the line back and forth to where at one moment, at one time, we may be slave? At another moment, at another time, we may act as a son? But there are days we may act as a slave. There's days we may act as a, a son. There's this constant tension in our life that we may, we may act one way or the other. And, and we're battling that you and I are saying, man, we're reminding ourselves and we're living in such a way that we're saying, I am a son, not a child. Not a slave. I am a son, not a slave. I don't have to live as a slave. I can live as a son. Now, let's continue these verses just a little bit. I know this was not this was our reading from last week, but I want you to see at the end of verse 15, he went on to say, By whom we cry, Abba, Father. By whom we cry, Abba, Father. It's the intimacy that we have with the Father. We're not just saying, I want you to get this. God doesn't just bring us into heaven or into his relationship and put us over here in this pen and say, you all are safe. I'm not ever going to kick you out. I'm not ever going to throw you out. But you're in that. That's not what he does. He brings us near to him. He brings us to where He's at. He lets us sit at His feet. He lets us be loved by Him. He pulls us in near to Him. Now, let's continue. Look at verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Remember that when we all get to heaven, that God's going to place upon us an inheritance that looks like we all got more than somebody else. I don't know how it's going to work, but it's just going to be the most fabulous thing that you could ever imagine. Now, do we believe God when He says this is our position? Do we believe we have security with Him? Do you believe that God's going to forgive you when you fail, when you fall, when you mess up? Do you believe that you have that security with God? Do you believe that you have authority, that you don't have to do some of the things that you do? Do you believe that you can have victory in your life? Do you believe that you can have intimacy with the Father? Do you believe that there's assurance from the Holy Spirit that says you belong to Him? Do you believe that one day there's going to be an inheritance that we're co-heirs with Christ? See, I think we have to believe these things in order to keep going to war against the deeds of the flesh. We have got to understand our position we're fighting from. But I know and understand that you may be saying... Okay, I understand what all we believe, but Chris, I've got some deeds in my flesh that need to be put to death. How do I practically do that? How do I practically do that? Look with me. Look with me at something that J.D. Greer put this together. Oh, I don't have it on the screen. I don't. Five things putting sin to death. I'll say them slowly for those note-takers. But I did send my message out, so you have my notes. Number one is this, an humble confession. 
We've got to stop denying and we've got to stop blaming. And we've got to just own that deed in our flesh that keeps ruling our life. We've just got to own it. We've got to, we've got to stop denying it. Stop blaming somebody else. Somebody else caused me to behave this way. Somebody else caused me to do this. Somebody else caused... Nobody caused us to do anything. We made a choice to behave a certain way. And that deed just keeps showing itself. So the first thing we got to do is just have an humble confession. And confession means I agree with God about it. It means, God, I agree with you that my attitude today was wrong. That my attitude today was not good. My attitude this morning was not okay. So God, you've been dealing with that. You've been working in my heart about this. Now, number two is a total surrender. A total surrender. Will you get it? This is not a negotiation. You and I are, oh, I did put it up there. I did have it. For, for my craziness, for my craziness. Normally what I have in bold print in my notes is a slide, but um, it's not bold printed in my, in my notes. I don't think I know. Total surrender, this is not a negotiation. This is saying, God, I give this to you. This attitude's wrong. This deed of the flesh is wrong. This sin is wrong. This is not okay. I give it to you. I'm not, I'm not trying to figure out how to keep it. I'm not trying to justify it so I can continue it. I'm totally surrendering this to you. Number three. I love number three. Reassurance of the gospel. Why do we need reassurance of the gospel? Because you know what? I'm probably going to have that attitude tomorrow. I might have that attitude the next day. I might, I might have that deed might rise up in my life again later. And when it does, you know what I do? You know what I reassure myself of? No condemnation to those who are in Christ. I'm not separated from Him. There's no power over us. We are His children. We are loved unconditionally by Him. And we always and every time are welcome in His presence. I just confess, I just bring that to me, I reassure myself, because what is, well, what is reassuring yourself of the gospel do when you have, have fallen, when you've allowed a deed of the flesh to rise up? What does that do in your life? It gives you, it gives you the courage to get back up. It gives you the courage to keep going because when you and I don't have that assurance, when we don't have the assurance that there's no condemnation, when we don't have this, you and I are thinking, is God going to keep me this time or am I done? Is God going to do it or is it over? And every time we reassure ourselves with the gospel. Number four. This one, for me, this is... Life-changing. I know it, but I don't do enough of it. But memorizing specific scripture that deal with your struggles. The attitude that you're dealing with. The struggle you're dealing with. Whatever the problem is. Man, to memorize a scripture. And, and I'll tell you, if you're seeking God in this relationship, He never fails to do this for me. He never fails 
to give me a scripture during a time of a struggle. Never fails. To address my attitude, to address the deed of the flesh, to address what's going on in my life, he never fails to give me a scripture in that time. Put it to memory. Put it in your heart. Bring it there. Meditate on it. Think about it. Let it do a work in you. Number five, don't just avoid sin, but pursue wisdom. Don't just avoid sin, but pursue wisdom. You see, if we just avoid sin and we don't pursue something else to fill up where that was at, we're going to be doing that and more. We're going to fill it up. You remember this, the, the story that Jesus told about the house that got cleaned of the demons? It was swept clean. It was all nice, but it wasn't filled back up with good stuff. It wasn't filled back up with wisdom. And, and the demons come back more and greater than they ever were. You and I can't just quit without pursuing something else. Pursuing what's right. Pursuing wisdom. We've got to fill it with something. Now, do you see that you and I are in a constant state of tension with our flesh? You and I are in a constant state of tension and, and, and this battle with our flesh. What's my attitude going to be today? What am I going to allow my flesh to feed on today? I don't want to do that. You see, when we come to the end of verse 17, and I promise I'm getting to 18 through 25, but when we come to the end of verse 17, he said, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. I talked about last week two different types of suffering. Suffering, one where the Father disciplines us. Okay? But then I also talked about suffering in a way that we're rejected and we go through difficult things and things that's not really our fault. But what if today we looked at, listen, the context of from 7 through 8 and we thought about suffering this way as we've talked about. That suffering really is us killing the deeds of the flesh. That, that suffering really is this constant tension that you and I have to overcome the flesh, overcome its desires, and to do what's right. This constant battle to have the right attitude. This constant battle to love or, or to be mean. This constant battle to care or not to care. This constant friction. In my small group this morning, in a small group that I had this morning, we looked around the table and there was this constant tension. You know what the tension was? One of them had been out all evening, rally, worked hard, tired, up early this morning getting donuts for hospitality, getting biscuits for our small group, making coffee for hospitality. First person at the church every Sunday morning. But there was a tension with that person because the reality was is that person was really saying, dang, I worked a rally last night. Why couldn't I just sleep in today? Why couldn't I just rest? Well, my tension was a little bit different than that because I was on the lake playing. I wasn't really 
doing something rally-wise. I was on the lake playing with my kids, two of my kids being in from out of town for the whole weekend. I was on the lake playing at 9 o'clock. I was pulling the boat out of the water last night. And in reality, I was thinking, I'm the only one on the ramp. Nobody else is on the ramp. And there was this tension in my life that was saying, leave the boat in the water and let somebody else fill in tomorrow. Rest. Rest. Another one in my group. Let me, I'm just not going to stop because it was every one of us. Another one in the, in the group was cleaning a roof yesterday. Fell 14 foot off the roof. Broke his wrist. Struggling. Wouldn't listen to his wife. And we never do. So, but you know, there was that tension saying, man, I'm hurt. I'm not feeling good. I really ought to just stay home this morning, but didn't. There's that tension. That tension between us that's constantly, all the time, we've got a new creation inside of us that's saying, man, we've got to be in relationship with God. We've got to be with others. And then we've got this tension in the flesh saying, that stuff don't matter. Don't worry about that stuff. Just do your own thing. Have it your way. Right? And it gets, and it's this constant tension that we have. And, and, and it's that suffering. And, and let me share with you two things. Well, I won't, let's, let's get there and I, I will get back to that. Look at verse 18. So remember through the book of Romans. Remember this. I've not told you this. And I've got to get on the ball here. But, but remember through the book of Romans. Remember, Paul is, is in a group, in a house. There's several people, Timothy being one of them and another guy. Somebody else is writing what Paul is teaching them about the book of Romans. And the other guys are listening to it. It's really phenomenal when you look at this at the end of Romans, how the book of Romans come about. They're sitting in this house. Paul's teaching. They're but I think this is going on. I think Timothy or one of the others from time to time ask a question that Paul answers that the one writing down doesn't write the answer down, doesn't write the question down. So I think at the end of verse 17, I think Timothy may have said, Paul, I got a question. What's your question, Timothy? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is this suffering worth it? Is the tension worth it? Is the battle worth it? Is it worth it? Because the truth is it's exhausting and it gets tiring. And some days you get sick of the tension and you just want to give in. And then when you give in, you go down that road of shame and guilt and ugliness. And then you pick back up and start again, but you get tired. So Paul answers the question that I think Timothy was asking. Is it Worth it. In verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. 
Listen, he says, is it worth it? You better believe it's worth it. What you're going through right now, this teaching you feel, whether you're receiving discipline from the Father, whether you're going through something you never imagined, or whether you've just got this tension that's happening all the time and you get sick of the tension, it's worth it. It's not even beyond worth it. He said, don't even compare to what we're going to experience when we get there. It's the greatest thing ever. Now listen, I'll prove my point here just as we continue to walk through. Look at verse 19. Not only is it worth it, but 19 says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Watch this. You said, Timothy may have said, Paul, is it worth it? Or one of the other guys may have said, Paul, is it worth it? Creation knows it's worth it. Creation not only knows it's worth it, creation is waiting, eagerly longing for this day. Creation is still singing. The birds are still singing. The ocean's still doing its thing. The sun's still shining. The stars are still where they're supposed to be. All the creation is still working, saying, I can't wait for this day. It will be worth everything that's been broken in our creation. This day, I'm looking forward to it. Creation knows it's worth it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because creation is one of the things in Romans 1 that Paul used to say, creation, God is revealed by creation. Not only is God revealed by creation, but listen, the fact that you and I suffer and have this tension Creation knows it's worth every moment that we suffer. And they look forward to that day that we linger. That we're there. That we're with Him. That it's revealed. Now look at verses 20 through 22. I want you to see this. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. What happened to creation? You remember, you and I, mankind was the apex of all creation. You and I were the pinnacle of all creation. And us being the pinnacle of all creation, we were given authority over creation. And when mankind failed, creation become broken. Why? We were responsible for it. So therefore, it suffered as we fail. As we go, creation wins. And then Christ came and was completely perfect and was completely right. And is going back to the Father and He will one day what? Bring creation with Him. Watch verse 21. Verse 21 says this. It says that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. Ever since that fall, what has he been doing? He's been gro- the creation has been having birth pains. 
And the birth pains are saying, man, just one more birth pain, one more birth pain, and we're going to have a child. One more birth pain, and it's going to be over. One more birth pain, and it's done. And we're going to have this baby. It's going to be right. It's going to be good. It's the revealing of the sons of God. Now, that's not all. Look at verse 23. Look at verse 23. And not only the creation, but look at what Paul said. But we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. You, we, we have the first fruits of the Spirit in us, remember? Groan inwardly. We groan. As we wait eagerly, we're waiting eagerly for the adoption of the Son. Watch this. The redemption of our bodies. Did you see that? What Paul just said? Paul said, we're waiting eagerly. We're going there. We're waiting. What, what are we waiting for? The redemption of what? Our bodies. Why, why, why is Paul making a big deal about this? Because what Paul is saying is this. I'm sick and tired of this fight. This fight is exhausting. That this flesh, this sin in me wears me out. I'm sick of this tension. Do you remember what he said at the end of chapter 7? Look at verse 24. You remember what he said? He said, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from what? From this body of death. He said, who's going to do this? I'm sick of this tension. I'm sick of this fight. I'm sick of doing what I hate. And I'm sick of not doing what I want to do. I'm sick of this suffering within me. He said, I need to be delivered from this, this right here. I can't wait till I have a new one. I don't have to deal with this ever again. You imagine that's what he's saying. Look at this quote by Tim Keller. All of our best days lie ahead of us. Listen to me. All of us have had some good days. Don't you look at this statement. All of our best days lie ahead of us. And one day, all of our painful days will lie behind us. All of our best days are yet to come. And one day, every painful moment will be behind us. Not to ever deal with again. Now, look at verse 24 and 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. Okay, but remember this hope's not a wish. It's a confident assurance. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, watch this, we hope for what we do not see, we don't see it yet, but we wait for it with patience. We wait for it with patience. We're in this tension but we know this day's coming, free from it. We're here, but we're headed to rest. We're here, but we're headed there. In the midst of this, what do we do? We wait patiently, eagerly, 
keep fighting. Listen, when you and I have tension, you all know this. Who's the, do I have a gym member in here? I don't see a workout guy in the whole house. <laughs> right here, Mike, hey, Mike, when you're building muscle, Mike, you're the man. When you're building muscle, what does it take? It takes tension, doesn't it? It takes tension. Time and tension. You've got to get there. You, well, that's what this is about. This tension is about building us. It's about making us become more like Christ. It's not easy. It's suffering, right? Now, as we're wait, we continue the tension. We continue believing the truths of the gospel, reassuring ourselves of the gospel. We keep battling on. Now, you may be asking yourself, is it worth it? Is it really worth it, though? I've got five statements I want to bring to you that I believe say it is worth it. See, we cannot imagine how great the glory of God is going to be. How satisfying the overflow of joy we will experience. The, un the unending pleasure we will have. We cannot imagine how great that's going to be. You and I desire that day that tension comes to an end. Suffering is no more. Just to be in His presence, the overflow of joy, the experience, the unending pleasure will be unlike anything. You and I taste it. In moments here on earth. We get a taste here. And a taste there. And a taste there. But it will be constant and unending. And unable to be taken away on that day. Second statement. This glory will fall on us. The inheritance will be placed on us. And it will be like we have more than anybody else. It's going to be. Incredible. We're all, listen, we're all going to be like the oldest son in the Hebrew family. Like the oldest son in the Hebrew family. It is worth it. This glory is also going to bring, we already talked about this, bring creation with us. You see, when man sinned in the garden, creation fell with man. It is decaying. It is dying. It groans for the day that man receives the glory of God so it can be redeemed from the corruption it experiences. It is worth it. It is worth it. Next. This glory, this inheritance is going to be experienced publicly. Boy, this is my favorite one. All will see. We will be blessed in the presence of our enemies. Watch this. Satan will be overcome with jealousy and envy on this day. Satan will be overcome with... You see, this is exactly what you and I are going to receive is the, what Satan desired. And couldn't get there. He will be overwhelmed, overcome with jealousy and envy.
The last one. We will at this time be completely like our new family. We will not have any attitude or desire of the old family or our old nature. We will be completely like Christ. Is it worth it? Absolutely worth it. Absolutely worth it. So I have one question for you today. And the truth is, I thought about it. I thought, everybody in that room can answer this question. They're still fighting because they're still here. Just because you're not here doesn't mean you're not fighting. But you won the battle this morning to be here. The one question... Are you still fighting? Or have you thrown the towel in? Are you still fighting? See, Mark Pig said this this week, and I'll share what he shared. He said, when I come to Christ and when I got saved, he said, he said I thought when I'd become a Christian, he said, I thought everything was going to be easy. He said, I didn't know I was going to have to work and strive. I didn't know there was going to be all this tension. I didn't know it was going to be like this. But he said, it's worth it. It's worth it. Wow. Worship team, will you come and get prepared? Churches, they're coming. Let me remind you that this is the most important part of our Sunday morning is our response to God. My response, your response, I do not know what God is dealing with you about, nor do I know what your needs are. But we have a Father, and we have privileges with Him. And in this time of worship, respond to God. If you need to come and pray, come and pray. If you need to stand and worship, you need to move where you can worship. Do that. But respond to Him somehow as He has dealt with your heart. Let me pray. Father God, I love you. Father, and I just pray and I ask you to, Father, move in our hearts and our lives this morning. Let us respond. You tell us how to respond. I don't know how people should respond, but God, you work, and Father, and you share and you lead people this morning. For those that are hurting this morning, for, for Al and Father whose sisters passed away, God, I pray right now, Father, you bring comfort to his heart and his life. Questions, Father, that maybe he has lots of concerns, lots of things. I pray, Father, for Alan right now. I pray for Mark right now that you bring healing, Father, to his body. I pray, Father, that you just work through this and put him back on the road. Father, to recover. Father, I don't know all the other needs. I don't know what's going on, but God, you do. And I just pray that people respond, Father, to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship.
Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh we live for you to those 
take communion, as we take communion this morning, this is what we're building our life on, right? And if we, we suffer with Him, we'll be glorified with Him. So we're going to continue to have the tension. And you may say, uh, do you think Jesus had tension? You better bet. He said, Father, I don't really want to do this. If there's another way, let's do it another way. <laughs> and listen, how many times in our life do we say, God, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> if there was another way, <laughs> I'd do this differently. But there's not. You've made it this way. So we come to that same place with Christ. Let's listen as we take communion. Let's celebrate Him this morning in this last song.
Listen, next Sunday, after this morning service, we're doing a potluck. Just bring whatever food you want to, and the church will provide meat and drinks and bring any kind of specialty, any kind of dessert, anything you'd like. We're going to share. What we're doing in that time, we're presenting uh, and closing the cart, the drive-through, taking out the wall between the four. You're making it one open room, tying it in to the lighthouse room so that we can take the lighthouse, have more of a prayer room again in the lighthouse because it'll be tied to the church. Church will be opened up in that foyer out there. Um, just kind of just give a different look and a different feel and, and help the hospitality team through the tough weather and the bad weather and, and all of that and uh, so just uh, just so we're just going to present that and have some questions let you ask some questions over a meal and talk about that okay so you just keep uh, just keep pressing forward now would you think about this I, I think Joanne the message got sent out to everybody right I, I w you didn't get it okay some people didn't Okay, so we'll, let's talk about that. Get that done. Figure, make sure that people are, are getting that. Some people are going to spam. I know somebody's went to spam. Um, but if we get you that message, this is what I challenge us this week. Get to that one spot and say, in the morning say, I'm living like a son today, a daughter today. I'm not living like a slave today. Then at the end of the day say, God, in what ways did I find myself living like a slave instead of a child? What was it today that I, that I just slipped back? I started to live with those attitudes and those behaviors and those beliefs. And work through that in your prayer time, in your quiet time this week. Amen. Guys, I love you, and I hope you have a great Father's Day. This is amazing grace. This is unfair.